Non-rock-a-boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy? Or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional. Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yeah! Oh! <laughs> what? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go in the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I yeah. got I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. Take an amazing journey to a place that will What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Gospel Heard Around the World. This is Apologia Radio. I'm Jeff McComb the Ninja. You guys can get more at ApologiaStudios.com. That's A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A Studios.com. We're back with another episode. Exciting episode today. We're, I'm super thrilled to do this episode. I can tell. I am very, very excited because of the topic. I think it's an important topic. The discussion is necessary, needs to be heard, and uh, we have very special guests in the studio today. We're going to tell you a little bit more about that, but first I'll introduce over here Luke the Bear. What up? And uh, that's Joy the Girl. Hello. And she is holding another human being in her, her right now. Make sure you say a prayer for her. She's, she's holding it. <laughs> holding it. And growing it. And growing it, that's right. And over here, we have Dr. James White, which we don't have an official, like, pet name for Dr. White yet. So, and that's usually your job. Yeah. To come up with that. It's gonna take a while. It's gonna. It might yeah. take a while. We're Dr. Tr James we're trying, White. trying, yeah. Who is, uh, so welcome. Good to be here. Who is also Pastor James. We're trying to get That's used to That's the others. weird, yeah. I That's the weird thing for us. Not, yes, very long relationship. Not feeling it yet. Yeah, <laughs> two decades. It's always been Dr. James White. When I'm teaching and mentioning things, referencing or telling people, it's always Dr. James White. And now, if you haven't heard yet, it is official. Dr. James White is has been a member of Apologia Church, and now he has officially joined the eldership of Apologia Church and yes. is now one of the elders at Apologia Church, and we'll be doing the official installation on, I don't even know where June I'm 2nd. at. June what? June 2nd. June 2nd. June 2nd yeah. is the official mm -hmm. installation, but he's Pastor James, so welcome. Maybe that'll just be it, Pastor James. PJ. The elder elder. The elderly elder. The elder the elderly elder. elder. Elderly elder. And uh, welcome that old guy, Dr. White. <laughs> <laughs> just the old guy. You can, you can get away with that. I can. You can get away with that. Yes. Okay. So, uh, welcome, welcome. What's the, up? The deacons, the deacons were thinking about Punkle, but I was like, yeah. I'm not sure if, if Clementine would allow Punkle that. Punkle James. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. Can, that's yeah. my vote right now. That can end up working against us <laughs> in like in, in, in argument in context where we need like a little more respect. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. 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 Um, during cross examination, Punkle James, it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So, welcome to our live audience. Make sure you guys share this across your social media platforms. Very important discussion we're going to have today. Uh, we are going to talk about the issue of social justice, uh, the gospel 
justice, the word of God and justice, uh, the issue of justice, hot topic today, very important topic today. And we have to have a consistent answer as Christians, an answer that's consistent with the biblical worldview, the Christian message, specifically the gospel itself. Uh, this issue of justice, uh, I'll just start here and let you guys jump in. From my perspective, it's a tough moment because, sorry about all that stuff happening on my computer here. Uh, it's a tough issue before us because God does care about righteousness. He does care about justice. He's spoken and given his own character. He's given us the reference point in terms of how we're to view the issues of justice. God is the one who gives us the foundation to be concerned with the issue of justice in the first place. What are all these humanists, what are all these atheists doing talking about justice when their worldview can't make sense of the, the call to justice and righteousness in a society? When you, when you tell people that they are the random results of uh, processes that didn't have them in mind and they're just bags of stuff floating through a purposeless cosmos, what's the point of talking about justice? Who cares about justice? What's with all these people that don't hold a biblical worldview being concerned with justice? Mm. It's an, you have to adopt right. Christian standards of a concern for justice and human value and dignity and equality. They adopt those standards, drag them over into their worldview and then use them against the Christian worldview, but there's always a distortion and perversion before it even comes back. And so this is an important issue because we're facing something, and I've said this to, to Pastor James many times in the past, you know, when I was watching The Dividing Line back in 2002, three, and four, I think, somewhere in there, you started to talk about a folder you were keeping on your computer. Yep. You were just talking about all the degradation happening in society around us. You were just keeping a file of all the new stuff and talking about how this rapid pace that we're going, that we're losing so much ground and this stuff's coming so fast. And I've said to you so many times, I was like, I didn't take you seriously. Then you said, well, I don't know if I took myself seriously. <laughs> um, but here we are, 2019, and oh my goodness, who would have thought back then we'd have gay mirage, we'd have all the gender confusion that is just now part of pop culture. If you don't accept it, you're in trouble. If you don't accept it, you're the bad guy. Um, we even have an issue, you know, I'll just toss it out there. We don't have to talk a lot about it. But in terms of, as much as I see Stephen Anderson as a dangerous man, mm -hmm. as much as he's dangerous theologically, um, what happened to him this past week was a horrific and scary, terrifying thing. For Bank of America to shut down his bank yeah. accounts, uh, it's a scary thing. And if say, you don't, we'll, se we'll send you a cashier's check later. We'll send you a cashier's check. We're going to shut your accounts yeah. down with our business. And you know, and what's it surrounding? It's not, it's not. It's not surrounding what I'm concerned about with his 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 view of man and sin and and God's gracious gift of salvation and His power to save and God's sovereignty. They're not concerned with Calvinism. Like Bank of America isn't it like you don't hold to the five points, and so you're losing your account, young man. They're doing it because of other things and the cultures right. complaining. So and and that's a dangerous thing. We're in a spot now where we're in trouble, we're facing rough days ahead, I think, if we don't as a church be a solid witness and light and trust in God and his grace and mercy in our culture to open hearts to the truth. Um, the issue of social justice, Joy's gonna help us a lot today with this. So I'm glad you're here, Joy. Uh, this issue today, uh, we talk about intersectionality and all the things that are part of pop culture and becoming definitional for us. So I'll pass it off to you guys. That's the introduction to our discussion today. Very important, social justice and the gospel. That's what we're doing. You know, I, I brought up the issue because of the fact that, uh, especially over the past number of months since I've been here and, and now, uh, as of last Sunday, we announced that uh, we, we get to 
refer to each other's as pastors, which is sort of an odd thing, uh, how we exactly do that. But I, I am 16 years older. That's right. So that's why you call me the elderly. Yes. But um, we are obviously involved, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, that we went to uh, the Phoenix City Council. City Council, mm-hmm. yeah. And that was the first time I had spoken, and I, I spoke on the issue of, of what American forces had done uh, in a situation once they liberated the Buchenwald concentration camp and how we right. had made uh, people uh, from Weimar march through and see what had been done right under their, under their noses. And one of the things I said was, we would say that what they did was a, a just act. Yeah. Okay, well, but how do you define that? And so we're talking about justice for preborn children. We're talking about where people would say, and, and in fact, I've had a number of people say, you should never, ever, ever preach another pro-life sermon unless you are involved in the promotion of social justice. Mm-hmm. The problem is we never get a definition of it. Mm-hmm. And what's happening is, and, and what's, what's happened to me, and I, I, I was mentioning this with the elders over lunch, I said, a little over a year ago, I'm texting Summer going, what does this word mean? And right. what is that about? And because all of a sudden the door got kicked in last spring in the church. And here's the problem. What came running through uses our lexicon, but has redefined the terminology based upon critical theory. Yeah. And the vast majority of, certainly of my generation is clueless. We're, 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 we're sitting here when we see Ekamini Uwan at the Sparrow Conference. Are right. you guys gonna do anything on that? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, we'll I would to, highly, I've, I would highly recommend it. I haven't talked to someone about it, but I feel like maybe we did have something planned. Yeah, I, that would be a really good idea because here's a, it's a woman's conference. It's about peacemaking. Right. Da 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 da. And this woman is sitting there, a graduate, master's divinity graduate from Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia. That's what blew my mind. Yeah, is sitting there yeah, talking about crazy. the wickedness of whiteness, right? And that it's something you need to repent of. Mm-hmm. Now, people in my society, in, in my, my age group, are sitting here going, how do I repent of whiteness? I mm-hmm. don't get it. So there's obviously something more going on here. Mm-hmm. And the younger people who have already been in the university classrooms and things like that, they've already been getting the foundational stuff like this. And the problem is they're accepting what they've been taught within the university framework. And then when they come into the church, they start using that as the filter through which to read the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you generally have older people doing the proclamation from the front that don't understand what those filters are. Yeah. And then the younger people, it's creating a massive divide mm. that is going to result in a huge division in the church. And it already is resulting in a huge division, but much more so as the years go on. I've, I've talked with reformed men older than me, and they're like, this isn't going to affect us. And I'm like, you're not going to be here forever. Someone's going to end up taking your pulpit someday. And they're being trained in seminaries Mm. that are already buying into all of this Mm -hmm. stuff. The speed with which this has come into our seminaries is astounding. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There are a bunch of people in our seminaries that see the danger and, but they're, they're, they're in a situation where they can't speak out because Mm -hmm. it's the leadership that has already been deeply 
impact. And I could go into some of the reasons for that. Follow the money. Right, right. Donations have been made mm-hmm. from big, big, big outside the United States sources mm-hmm. that has led to all this. Yes. It just, it's not that it happens so fast. It's just that we notice that it happens so fast. Mm-hmm. This has been being planned for a long time. Right. I know. I just sound like a conspiracy theorist. You sound like a conspiracy theorist. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's, it, it's the, the truth. The problem Did is you say from true. Big Soros? Uh, that's one of them, but there are others. That yeah, was a but, joke. That, but there are others. Yeah, and so there's there's been there's been donations given to set up uh, professorships and all the rest of this stuff, and if you've got the big box seminaries mm-hmm. that have huge yeah. budgets, right. whether you've got students walking in the door or not, you need that external money. So yeah. that stuff's going on. But the point is, I I had never heard. I think it was Summer that explained to me what intersectionality was. I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is this was not something that was taught in seminary when I was in nope, seminary. Nope, And until you get a, a grasp on what critical theory is, not just critical race theory, there's critical gender theory and family theory, and you can put critical, put almost anything in between it and put theory at the end. Yeah. And you can, you, you'll have somebody who's already written a book on it in some gender studies program someplace. Yeah. Um, once you understand what critical theory is then you can hear Ekamini Uwan who was the woman who said you need to repent of your whiteness and you can at least sit back and go okay the best interpretation I can give of a Westminster Seminary graduate saying you need to repent of your whiteness because I don't remember that from any of the apostles (laughs) I don't remember anything of that that can even come close from any of the apostles no okay so, did you think they knew a lot of white people? Even? No, I was just thinking that. There well, were, that's just it. Yeah, there wasn't <laughs> any that's, white that's people. That's just it. See, in those days, in those see, when we talk about whiteness now in this context, the best interpretation is that you're talking about power, mm-hmm. right? Structural power and oppression. Mm-hmm. So, white privilege in those days would have been Roman privilege. Right. Exactly. So it wouldn't have been connected to a particular skin color. It would have been a social status. Whiteness just means you were the most power-holding, powerful, authoritative race that there was. Which is why this is so confusing to people outside the United States or Western culture. Right. When we export this to South Africa or someplace like that, it is poison. Oh, yeah. It is absolute poison. What we're hearing, what we're hearing from Ekamini Uwan, even though she's Nigerian or whatever the tribe she actually identified well, with. Well, that's our colonial. Like, that's the colonial term, tag, yeah, right. So. Um, right. She can't. What yeah, we're, was, what we're hearing from her is a very Americanized version of these things. Mm. It's, it's, it does not have global application because you can't take this to China. Right. Uh, white privilege in China is Chinese privilege. All, really, right. all, really, all white privilege is is majority privilege. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you have a majority in a co- in a country, they're going to design things for their benefit. Mm-hmm. And so if you come into that situation, if I as a white man try to go live in Zaire, um, I'm going to be in the minority, and I'm going to be outside of that realm of quote unquote privilege. Right. So the problem here's where here's where the problem is. They don't remain consistent with that definition mm-hmm. because when they then speak to the black experience, it becomes very much something that flows from their ethnic mm-hmm. experience. Right. So if on the one hand you say whiteness, it doesn't really have to do with your skin color, but then you turn around and say the antidote for that is has something to do with skin color. Mm-hmm. 
how do you how do you hold these things together? Mm, there's a conflict. You, you, there. you can't you can't yeah. you can't make mm -hmm. heads or tails out of it. Mm -hmm. So the one thing that's really helped me to understand all of this is to understand that in critical theory, the categories that you and I function on of truth and error, logic, factual uh, factuality and history, you know, representing the other side accurately, all that comes and in fact is being identified as colonial mm. or uh, an expression of white privilege and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Within critical theory, since everything is defined on the basis of power structures, oppressor, oppressed, mm -hmm. the when you define morality, and this is where we get into issues regarding abortion and everything else, when you define morality, morality is the destruction of oppression. Right. Mm. That is the sunnabonum. That's the that's yeah. the highest good. Is you must destroy oppression. Now be careful because you and I automatically defined oppression in a biblical context. Yes. Right. <clears throat> We're not talking about that. That, that this right. is where this is where when you bring this into the church, it creates such massive confusion and is mm -hmm. creating massive confusion all across the United States right now. Right. It's causing tremendous division even amongst Reformed churches. Where I didn't. I never thought it could happen because I thought Sola Scriptura would keep this from happening. Yeah. I was silly. Yeah, how's it, make it, how's it make its way in when people hold to that principle? Mm -hmm. it, right. it just went through the back door. And so fast. And so fast that the rest of us were sitting there going, what Lightning happened? Lightning speed, right. Yeah, yeah. That, that yeah, we're all looking really stupid. So yeah. when, you, when you ask what oppression is, oppression is difference in socioeconomic status. So I don't have to oppress you. I don't have to be forcing you to do something you don't want to do. But if I have things you don't have, mm -hmm. then I'm oppressing you mm. simply by my being a part of a different group than you are. See, mm -hmm. you must understand critical theory cannot build anything up. It can only tear down. Mm -hmm. That's why I've heard Joy and Summer talk about when they talk about intersectionality. That if you just if you just follow it long enough, you're going to end up alone. Right. Mm. You, you, it, it just divides, 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 divides. You think you've gotten down to this really neat group, and then you discover that you're actually a little more oppressed than somebody else. So now you've got to divide again. That's what intersectionality does, and that's a function of critical theory. It breaks everything down, and it destroys having any common basis upon which you can have. You start building something back up. You've got to have a foundation to build a building. Right. But since all this can do is break down and can't build anything we're seeing the destructive mm. uh, impact good. that it has upon society. That's so good. Joy, can you help us with this? Help us, we're using words like intersectionality and critical theory. These are now important definitional terms and they're being used to build a new society, a new world, right. a new way to see the world. And I, I would imagine that much of our live audience right now and those thousands of you guys who are gonna listen to this later, much of you feel like probably us before we started hearing you talk about it definitionally, like what, what exactly does that mean? Is it, a, is it very important to understand it? And it, and it is. You'll once you important. understand it, you hear, you see it everywhere. Everywhere. Well, All over and the place. here, and it just, I'm going to toss it over to you. But in terms of uh, what I was even just seeing this morning, I got out of bed, uh, said hello to my wife and got something to eat. I just pulled up my phone to make sure no emergencies are going on, pastoral emergencies. And I look through the feed and I, I start seeing the articles come up from Vice and all the popular, you know, mega channels that are pumping stuff into the minds of our right. youth and just young people in college age. 
and the pop culture stuff. And like, these are the important, what listen to us. And, and, and when you understand this, it's every article you see from like, say, right, Vice or Motherboard, right. you're like, and there it is. It's almost like they sit in a board meeting and they go, now does this cr uh, cross the T's and dot the I's of the worldview we are trying to propagate. Make sure that you are using the language in this article. Make sure that you are making sure you're instructing people that this is how we're supposed to think about these things. Right. This is what is, is right. And you see it, you're right, everywhere. So help us with that because people are going to come across this. If you're concerned with impacting the world with the, with the truth of the gospel, you're gonna face this in the days ahead. You're gonna right. see it in media, especially in the next election. Goodness oh. gracious. It is going to be definitional in so many different ways. So, Joy, help us to understand intersectionality and all the rest. Um, well, so I think the I think uh, critical theory and intersectionality they like uh, defining them together definitely helps mm -hmm. you sort of understand. So, when I'm talking about what intersectionality is, keep in mind what Pastor James I was going to call you Doctor White <laughs> <laughs> um, said. Or you just um, call me Summer's dad. That works. Or too. Summer's dad. Uh, that, that, yeah. That works, yeah that but only I get to call him that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so intersectionality was a term, an idea that was coined basically by the third wave of feminists who came out of the second wave, and what they saw was um, uh, obviously lots of uh, pro-female ideology um lots of legislation that was raising the rights of women and making them more equal to men um but then you had portions of uh women uh basically people women who were not white and women who were not straight that felt like feminism didn't represent them at all and so uh kimberly crenshaw specifically she was an author in the um kind of I mean ma mainly I guess she's known for the third wave but uh, she was around during the second wave and uh, so she had all the same sort of idea about equality as the women in the second wave but she also had this idea that that feminism should be uh, representing all the groups in her that um, that were oppressed so she was oppressed she was the minority um, not just because she was a female, but we also needed to address the fact that she was black. And we also needed to address the fact um, that if there were women out there that were lesbians, they weren't being like justly represented by this, this vast white feminism. So she coined the term intersectionality and basically like a good way to think of it is, um, is intersections even if you want to consider like driving down the road an intersection and think consider that um basically the more intersections you go through so if you're on the the corner of um female street right. then you pass through that and then you pass through um african-american avenue and then you can pass through um raised in poverty boulevard and so basically the more intersections that you go through the more nuanced your representation should be mm -hmm. i suppose and so um i think intersectionality is actually it's interesting because i think it that really represents the breakdown of critical theory quite a bit more than just like defining critical theory because that's where you really see like the the only way that um i don't know like you Basically, you just end up having a bunch of people 
defining themselves by all these intersections that they can go through. But the thing is, is that, well, generally there's an assumption you were talking about with critical theory. The assumption is, is that if you're white, you have these certain things. But chances are, according to intersectionality, you'd pass through, you may pa- you may be white and you may pass through other intersections. So this is where you see a lot of, uh, for me, I think this is where you get into a lot of the inconsistency. Massive inconsistency. Because the assumption is that if you're white, that you're an, a, like you're a part of the oppressed oppression right. group. Right. Mm-hmm. But really, realistically, according to, uh, so for example, like I pass through an intersection that you guys don't because I'm female. But like, what if you guys pass through an intersection that I don't, which is you grew up poor or your parents, like my parents were divorced, but maybe your parents stayed together. And so it just like, it it breaks down and it breaks down until like he was saying, you're alone. You've passed through a million intersections and you're alone. (laughs) You've got no group left. You cannot produce a harmonious group. And that's why, that's why uh, a lot of feminists are getting upset with transgenderism. Right. Because transgenderism fundamentally undercuts everything the feminists were trying to fight for. If there right. is no such thing as the feminine, uh-huh. if you can't even define it anymore. Right. Oh, yeah. They're sorry. I mean, I yeah. mean, look at look at Martina Nat- Navratilova. In my age, she was the very icon of rebellion. You know, the lesbian uh, tennis player, blah, 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 blah. And now she's on the outs because she dares to realize, hey, wait a minute. If we're taking this too far, this is going to result in a complete destruction of of women's sports. Right. You, it's not fair to have a guy playing a a gal. Right. Uh, right. Be, it's just not it's just not right. And so she's now on the outs. It just divides, 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 divides. There is no foundation for bringing it together because of the issue of oppressor versus the oppressed. So so if you're a white cisgendered, and I even had to figure what that one mm-hmm. was for but white cisgendered male uh american then you have all this privilege and that means by your breathing air you are an oppressor right you're guilty yeah, exactly. of oppression right. and that's the whiteness that you have to repent of so repentance doesn't mean what we think it means oppression no. doesn't think what it mean what we think it means mm. none of these words mean what we define them as meaning coming out of the page of scripture right. and so when this comes into the church and starts adopting that language and now you have a christian minister or in this case a woman with a master's degree from westminster seminary sitting up there and presenting this the confusion is amazing and it's extremely dangerous. And it, it, it destroys what should bring us together because it's designed societally is to break society down so that eventually it, it collapses and can be remade into something new. That sounds familiar. Which sounds very, very familiar. Um, but what, ha- what, what happens when you bring that into the church? Yeah. What, who's gonna remake the <clears throat> church? Yeah, by what standard? Uh, it, it, exactly. And so this is this is what we're really fighting now is that in our very seminaries and we're talking we're talking Dallas. We're mm-hmm. talking Westminster. Mm-hmm. We're talking uh, even some of the RTS campuses. We're talking yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Well, let me, let, let, too, me, right? let me read you this quote. Somebody's live in the in the feed right here. A couple hundred listening right now. It says uh, Timothy uh, says, "Amen, Doctor White. Thank you for clarifying this dangerous leaven in my grad program. We're studying this to such an extent it's coming out of my ears, eyes, and nose." Oh yeah, yep. And and that's why when I talk to older reform men, they go, well, "This isn't going to impact us." I'm going, 
someone's going to stand in your pulpit someday. You're not going to live forever. Right. And this is yeah. what is being presented. And, and we have not prepared people for it. Yeah. We don't even know what the lines are right now. Mm-hmm. That we are in, a, in such a transitionary period here that we don't even know who's on what side. Mm-hmm. And if you dare say, if you, if you dare push back, then you're accused of divisiveness. And, and we're all talking about the divisiveness of this. That this is, this, that's what critical theory does, it divides. Mm-hmm. So the other side is saying, well, if you just would come along with us, then everything would be fine. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't. And that's why in my naivete, I mean, when I, when I first, my first major comment on this in the current session was after the MLK 50 thing, mm-hmm. uh, just a little mm-hmm. over a year ago. Mm-hmm. And silly me, what was what did I do? I went to scripture. Mm-hmm. Now scripture doesn't talk about critical theories, so you have to ask a more basic question, and that is, how did the apostles deal with the pressures that faced them, or did they did pressures face them that could be made even somewhat similar to what we're facing in our society today? Mm-hmm. And the fact is, you look at the early church, and there were all sorts of possible divisions in the early church based upon forms of ethnicity. Oh yeah. The Ro- the Romans were forcing all sorts of people to peaceably live with one another lest the Roman come and cut your head off mm-hmm. who hated each other. And so one of the things that I, I went to was in Colossians 3 when 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 Paul's talking about this renewal in which there is no and then he goes through all these possible right. divisors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Male and female and Jew and Greek and then he uses Scythians and barbarians. Those are ethnic designators. Barbarians are anybody outside the borders of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. The Scythians, this interesting, were just north uh, east, <laughs> looking at a map there, yeah. a northeast of where Colossae was. And these were, these were warrior people. Mm. And so if you can imagine what it was like in Colossae, very easy to see how when the church gathered at the table, there would be people who, in their parents' generation, may have had what we would call war crimes or genocide oh, or horrible things took place. This is powerful, yeah. Because these Scythians uh, came in and there was war going on, and the Romans finally come in and say, "Stop all that." Mm-hmm. But the point is, there would be strong ethnic tribal mm-hmm. divisions that exist within the church. And mm-hmm. for, for me, I hadn't read a bunch of stuff on this stuff. I'm just sitting here going, okay, the only way I can make, draw a parallel here is how did the apostles deal with producing unity in the church? What was the basis? Because they did not have a Lord's Supper table over here. Right. You know, I, I love how we do Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always liked when you, you get up and you move yourself to the elements. To the table. Because of Paul's statement that this is a means by which you are testifying mm-hmm. as to what Jesus Christ has done, the resurrection, mm. your yes. redemption. So you're, instead of it just being passed to you, I love the fact that you're going yeah. down there and yes. doing that. But we only have one table. Right. That's we right. Don't, we don't have a table over here for this ethnic group or that ethnic group or yeah. depending on how much ink you've got or something like that. Yeah. Uh, we have one table and we go to one place. And that's always been how Christians have done it. And that reflects what Paul saw as the danger in Galatia. Mm-hmm. What, was, what was in Antioch? Two, two tables. It, there, yeah. there was going to be two tables. Yeah. And he saw that was going to result in a division. Mm. 
you can't have division because there is only one righteousness of Christ that is imputed to us. There is only one Savior. And so how did the apostles deal with the reality they faced that could have torn that infant church into pieces? They absolutely insisted that you are a new creation in Christ and all these things, all these things in the past. There may have been people in Colossae that had an absolutely just complaint against how their grandpappy was treated by the Scythians. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter anymore. Right, right. Mm -hmm. It's the past. The gospel turns you from the past to the future. Mm -hmm. It doesn't That's allow good. you to continue to dwell upon those pains yes. from the past. It doesn't say right. that those things didn't happen. Right. It, it's not saying that that was a just thing that happened. You right. don't have to call slavery in the United States a just thing. Right. No. Right. To at the same time say, but that was then. We need to be looking forward, not constantly looking backwards. If you're mm -hmm. driving a car constantly looking backwards, you're going to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. And what the gospel does is we are part of a kingdom. Mm -hmm. That kingdom is being built. It has a future. That's right. You're not constantly looking back mm -hmm. at what's happened in the past. You can learn from things in the past. There's wonderful things to learn from the past. But dwelling on it and then using that as a means for division now? Yeah. You remember what happened to me? What was it? May? I put up that meme. I actually took the time to make a meme. Normally, people are making <laughs> memes of me. Yes. Uh, yeah. And you. Yeah. Uh, right. We get memed all the time. Yeah. Uh, but I put up that meme because I had been having a conversation with someone where they had talked about the need for black spaces in the church. Oh, and then how the gracious. church was a white space and they needed black spaces. Now, now again, from the, that just seems so out of place for me. I've yeah. never understood it, but I was trying to understand it. And so I, I responded to that by saying, well, look, when we come to the table, that is a Christ space. You want to mm. use the term space? Okay, let's use the term space. The table is a Christ space. You yeah. are focused solely and completely upon the one who gave himself his perfect sacrifice, my complete reliance upon him. There is no place, and this is where I got in trouble, there is no place for bringing your past of your people to the table of the Lord when it could cause division with other people mm. Mm -hmm. the table of the Lord. I said, there is no place for ethnicity at the table of the Lord. Oh, my goodness. That's what caused people to be calling for an ecumenical council wow. to identify colorblind theology as heretical, <laughs> just like the Council of Nicaea. Wow. wow. Ended up in Woke Church, the book uh, by Eric Mason. Wow. Yeah. With forward. Yep. Who was the forward by? Duncan, right? Ligon Duncan. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Yep. And it's in that book. Yeah. And so... I just, all, the only thing I could do was, was let's go to the scriptures. Let's look at what, the, 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 what signifies absolute unity amongst the body. Mm -hmm. And that is, we come forward, we take those, that bread and that wine. You don't, you don't get to do that in a special, we don't elevate you. You get your own little table up, mm -hmm. up there because you mm -hmm. just preached the sermon. Mm -hmm. No, there's one table. Mm -hmm. That's right. And it doesn't matter if you've been here for one week or for as long as we've existed, you go to the same table mm -hmm. because we only have one hope. We only have one redeemer. We only have one savior. Mm -hmm. And so true Christian unity is understood theologically in that way. And I see once you bring critical theory in, critical theory and that understanding of the unity of the church cannot coexist. Right.
one's going to have to give in to the other. Well, and one of the foundations of intersectionality critical theory is that uh, there is no room for forgiveness. Um, and you talked about how there being a different definition of repentance. And you talk about, um, you know, breaking something down so that you can build it up. But I have never once seen any evidence that anyone's trying to build anything back up. No. Um, because the standard happens to be that uh, the, the standard is created by the oppressed group. So they can say justly forever, for the rest of time, they could say, no, you still haven't mm. earned my forgiveness yet. Mm -hmm. You still haven't made up for that wrong. Um, and so there is no, it's a complete, there's no desire for unity. There's no desire for forgiveness. And it's interesting that you specifically bring up the table because those are the things that keep you from the table. And so if you mm -hmm. have, if you have a brother or sister in Christ who has no interest in going to the table because they hold this other thing so much higher as pastors, <laughs> what would your response be to someone who said, I don't want to go to the table because I want to have an issue with someone else in the body. Mm. I would send them to the parable of the wicked servant, <clears throat> the unforgiving servant. I mean, but you see, there is, I came up, I don't, maybe somebody else came up with this before me, but I said there is therefore now much condemnation in the woke church. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Because here, put, there is... Put your mic a little closer because uh, people are saying they can't hear. There, there is no end game. Okay. Because um, there, no, there is no basis for redemption. Okay. And there is no end game. So uh, that's what was just being said. Mm -hmm. As long as the oppressed want to continue to consider themselves as the oppressed and value their position as the oppressed. Right. There is no redemptive process that can undo this. Even to the point where they are the oppressors. Right. They could be physically, that, yeah. they like, and that, and you might think I'm exaggerating. I'm not no, exaggerating. Not. The oppressed group could be physically violent towards the oppressors. And that's still not considered oppressed. No, at no point will the, the tables switch. Right. The, That's the how it works. The oppressed have a different set of moral standards right. that develop from their being oppressed than the oppressors. So there was an incident recently where a Trump supporter, and they try to make this just that, but again, it shows the Americanization of it. But a Trump supporter got hit upside the head by someone promoting critical theory who happened to be a professor of moral and ethics at the local community <laughs> college. Now, wow. why would he think that was a moral and ethical thing to do? Because critical theory produces a completely different set of morality and ethics. He was protesting the oppression represented by the other person. Mm -hmm. Since the greatest good is the destruction of oppression, then you can oppress the oppressors. Right. <laughs> And that is a good moral yeah. thing to do. Mm -hmm. So that's why Antifa can do what Antifa is doing. And it, as long as it breaks down and as long as you stay within the parameters of who's the oppressed and who's, who's the, now that changes over time. It does. That's the key yeah. thing is that it's, it's in flux. It's, it's in flux yeah. because, uh, you know, only a few years ago, transgenderism wasn't nearly the, the deluxe standard of oppression that, that it is now. Right. Uh, but what's going to come next? There, again, there's no moral or ethical foundation mm. to provide limits. Well, this is really just power grabbing, isn't it? Because if you're white or whiteness and you have all the power, I want power over you. So now I'm the one that's going to tell you what you need to do 
right? And so it's 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 almost like they're trying to to grab and take control of things. You, it, you know what I'm saying? It, except that you, I would understand that in, for example, uh, a business context or governmental context, but critical theory isn't that rational. Mm. And the, the problem is uh, that, that we keep trying to apply our old way of thought to this and, and, it, and it just doesn't work. Mm. Its fundamental purpose is to bring society to its knees and then who gets to take over. And trust me, once that happens, all this stuff gets thrown out the window. Right. No one's going to care about any of this stuff anymore. Right. Um, it's, it's who then has control of the technology. And, and there's some, I read an article just this morning about a lot of this stuff. It's, it's, if, if you didn't believe God was in control, this would be a very frightening time to be. Mm. Oh, yeah. For Big sure. Time. People used to tell jokes about you this. Shut up! Oh, now we see the violence inherent in the system. Shut up! Oh, come and see the violence inherent in the system! Help! Help! I'm being repressed, bloody peasant! Oh, what a giveaway. Did you hear that? Did you hear that, eh? That's what I'm on about. Do you see him repressing me? You saw it, didn't so, oh, yeah. Uh, they, they were ahead of their time. Yes, very much so. Very, very much so. Including this. I'll go ahead and play this in terms of... Oh, like, yeah, listen to this. This, this, yeah, one... this is really important. Make sure this sounds up here, Isaac, so I know that You should this probably is, tell what this is, too. It's a little wonky. This is, don't know. this is from uh, Monty Python's Life of Brian, which isn't necessarily a recommendation. No, it's uh, a bad, bad movie. Bad yes, movie. but uh, there is a <laughs> clip from this that is, yeah, definitely ahead of the time. Um, I want to be a woman. I do feel wretched that any anti-imperialist group like ours must reflect such a divergence of interest within his power base. Agreed, Francis? Yeah, I think Judith's point of view is very valid, Rich. Provided the movement never forgets that it is the unalienable right of every man or woman or woman to rid himself or herself or herself. Agreed. Thank you, brother. Or sister. Or sister. Get them all. Where was I? I think you finished. Oh, right. Furthermore, it is the birthright of every man or woman. Why don't you shut up about women, Stan? You're putting us off. Women have a perfect right to play a part in our movement, Reg. Why are you always on about women, Stan? I want to be one. What? I want to be a woman. From now on, I want you all to call me Loretta. Loretta. What? It's my right as a man. Well, why do you want to be Loretta, Stan? I want to have babies. You want to have babies? every man's right to have babies if he wants them. But you can't have babies! Don't you oppress me. I'm not oppressing you, Stan. You haven't got a womb. Where's the fetus gonna just take? You're gonna keep it in a box? These days. So yeah. there, I mean, that was supposed to be funny. That was... Yeah. Uh, oh, and, but, but there was oppression. Yes. Don't oppress. I, I yeah. mean, they, they saw this coming long before mm. I did. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna admit it. Mm-hmm. Monty Python. Monty <laughs> Python. Yeah, powerful stuff. Sorry, I was just, we told Pastor James before the show, every show we get someone asking why we have a pagan symbol on the wall. And there oh. it came up. That's why, that's <laughs> why I was, person. Yeah. Yeah. they're there every yeah. show. Luke and I usually do a little like eye contact yeah, we know. when yeah. it happens. Every time. <laughs> it used to be one of my absolutely favorite uh, symbols of the Trinity because it's so instructive because you have three equal arcs exactly. that together form something that they alone would not uh, form. Um, and the idea of it being uh, pagan. Uh, well, did you know where the buttons on your shirt came from? Uh, those were originally meant to keep demons out. Uh, and oh, there's, I, the, I mean, that. there's all sorts of stuff 
that you can connect to paganism. Right. But it just tires me when, when people yeah. miss the historical relevance of stuff and yeah. miss what we're talking about. Yeah, the Tricetra yeah. is, is uh, yeah, not. And uh, make sure you remember that when you're blowing out your birthday candles. Yeah. Because <laughs> right. you're supposed to read your fortune in the smoke. So, um, so yeah, anyway. Um, so let's, like, let's move forward from here, though. Um, what, where, where do we go in terms of, okay, we can recognize these new definitions. This, it's, it's a propagation of a new world and, yeah. and world, <clears throat> world and life view and, and view of the future. It's, a, it's an attempt to reform society and, and, and all these instructors and professors are discipling. They're, they're mm-hmm. making disciples. And we've crossed paths with these disciples out on the street. We've had Antifa come and cross paths with us out oh, there. Oh, they're, they're oodles of fun. They are, they are an interesting, interesting group. And we can hear the language. We can understand what they're trying to do. And uh, they are definitely an intense group. And they've been discipled by this culture, this generation. Students from ASU coming out to us, mm-hmm. and, and you hear it in their language and their perspective, and it's all over major media. You've got some major funding sources behind some of the popular media channels that are propagating all of the new way to think and view the world and sexuality. I mean, I was just reading an article today from a popular uh, channel that I know ha- has funding from a very well-known source mm-hmm. in terms of a different kind of worldview. Uh, that was propagating the idea of like this, mon- this monogamy, this idea of this outdated ancient idea of mm-hmm. monogamy. Polyamory is really the way to yep. go and yep. multiple yep. partners. And this is so stupid that we have this exclusive monogamy. People need to understand that's not what we were built for. It's so easy to see that out there. What is troubling me is now it's being expressed in the church. Oh, right. I know. And I'm not yeah. talking about the wacky leftist mainline denominations that went... Right long time ago right mm-hmm. right i'm talking about in churches that five years yeah. ago i know had never said a word about this yeah yep and since yeah. three of the four elders are sitting here right now mm-hmm. and love being with you yeah um what do we do what do you do let me throw this let me throw this your direction all right let me focus okay you do you do most you of the preaching and yeah. teaching focus. yeah you're doing a series on the kingdom of god right all right do you need to, in your consideration of what you're covering and how you're covering it, yes. need to keep in mind that the people coming into that room, mm-hmm. we haven't designed, I'm, I'm trying to design it, we haven't designed the machine to put over at the door that sucks the worldview errors <laughs> yeah. out of people as they right. walk through. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Man, that would be amazing. Yeah. That would be an awesome thing. That would be amazing. I'd make a lot of money if we could sell <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> doesn't exist, won't exist. So guess where I think the primary responsibility as elders lies in modeling mm-hmm. how to differentiate between a truly Christian worldview and the worldly worldview. Mm-hmm. Somehow in the midst of are being careful exegetes, mm-hmm. church history, sound and systematic theology, what we're now being called to do, because we've been called to this time in this place, is to make specific application that my great-grandparents never had to make and mm-hmm. never had to think about. That's right. But if we don't make the application, then when are our people going to be being instructed right. on these very issues in the recognition of the dangers of what's divisive, the the, how, I mean, how do you even? You don't have to do every sermon mm-hmm. on critical theory, mm-hmm. but if it's in the back of your mind, 
you'll be, uh, even going through Matthew 23 and 24, you're going to be encountering categories of oppression. Yeah. So you can properly define them and contrast them. That's right. <clears throat> so that when you have young people coming out of the educational system, <clears throat> coming into our fellowship, they have been infected by these things. Right. How is it going to be dealt with? Yeah. Unless we model it from the pulpit. pulpit. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. And that's the, I think that's one of the, the glories of the word of God is that it's, it's, it's the truth of God. And so it can, you can make wide application to all these new errors that pop up. And it is interesting because the whole context room of the kingdom of God right now, all those themes that, that flow throughout the Old Testament and come to their amazing fulfillment of the New Testament, all of those themes, I would think, could actually create a fence around the church and the people of God to not allow this kind of thinking of critical theory and intersectionality and all this stuff of race and oppression to come in because that's one of the glories of the rule of Christ in the world is just what God does to bring the nations up to the mountain of God and to himself to bring redemption and salvation. And this, this dismissiveness that you see in scripture in terms of like this color of skin is more or this people group or this, the, like it had to, it, it's something entirely different that you would think would guard the people of God from this kind of indoctrination and this infection coming into the church. Except <clears throat> that critical theory divides human knowledge into little packets. We are trying to show the beauty of the unity of Christian. Mm -hmm. That's right. Fulfillment of prophecy, the flow of history. Critical theory does the exact opposite and teaches you to see things as mm -hmm. individualized points. Yeah. And so what's happening in the church is you can preach a sermon like that, but if you already have as a mindset, well, that's just one view. That's just one element over here, but you're not forced to see how it all is connected together. Then you can reinterpret what is being said mm -hmm. and end up with an extremely contradictory uh, mm -hmm. conclusion and way of thinking. Mm -hmm. It has to be modeled from the pulpit. Yep. And then as elders, we can encourage other people who have other opportunities to reach a whole nother audience. Yes. Like <laughs> Summer and Joy. Right. Uh, to press on with, uh, with Sheologians. And, and that way I can go to Zambia again and find out that there are Sheologians fans in Zambia <laughs> <That's right. laughs> who are more excited about that than yeah. they were that I was being interviewed. Which is really awesome. But there, does, there, there is uh, a place, especially... Um, in being fulfilled by what they're doing because this feminism, there is a huge publishing industry. There mm -hmm. are books being cranked out right and left. And there's a lot of people who have pretty much ignored the women um, and, and, and not ha have not found the proper means of, of communicating mm -hmm. to them. The, the ministry of the word from the, from the pulpit is first and foremost, no question about that. But when we want to make sure it's being understood and applied, there's room for a lot of uh, uh, of that kind of ministry yes. to, to make it make it real in in the home. No, I agree. Especially as 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 especially as moms are homeschooling and things like that. Oh my goodness, the, our young people need to understand. Yeah. Yes, they need to have a deep worldview education. And you know, Summer will tell you. You know, she's probably told the story a million times of driving around the backseat of the car with the whiteboard mm -hmm. as I'm doing as I'm doing Christian worldview stuff with them in, in the car. Mm -hmm. That was in 1990 mm -hmm. something. There is so much more of a need for that yeah. now than there even was then. Right. That's right. And that <clears throat> speaking of that Christian worldview and okay, so 
I don't have all the answers on this, but there are certain areas where I've, I'm very confident in terms of, I know what the Word of God says about this, but there's so much coming at us so quickly, it's like you're just trying to manage these things. I feel like, okay, a lot of where you see this becoming like a part of infecting the church and the minds of the church and even solid, like you said, reformed institutions or mm-hmm. churches sort of just going, okay, I'll take that. Um, <clears throat> I think it's because, and obviously there's a question of funding, there's a question of influence, but I think that a lot of times you'll have the acknowledgement of a failure in a particular area of theology. So let's say somebody drops something and says, well, we care about justice. Where's your concern? You, you supposedly are from Jesus and, and the Bible, and you have that word of God there, and you talk about image of God, and you talk about value and human dignity and the worth of human beings, but where's your conversation about social justice? I don't even hear you talking about it now. So on the one hand, you'll have reformed guys hear that and go, dang, that, that's right. Like, where is my conversation about justice in the world around me today? And then um, on the other side, there's the concern where you have the liberal theologians that talk all you know, about Jesus and social justice, mm-hmm. but then you look at it, you go, that's perverse. There's nothing right. in there about what God says about justice. That's not even Christianity. I mean, you're, you, you got guys there that are just, just rank heretics, deny the Trinity. These, this isn't even Christianity, but they use Christian terminology and they talk about social justice and justice categories and some people go, well, that at least that sounds like you care about justice and human beings a little more consistently than this reform dude over here that's not even talking about justice. So I feel like that's brought us to a place where it's like a perfect storm of opportunity for these descendants of Marx and others to sort of come in and go, let's, let's grab hold of this now, this opportunity to start infecting all these areas. So this is my concern, is that how do we hold together the consistent Christian worldview the consistent, the unity of the scriptures without abandoning necessary commitments to the word of God and sola scriptura and without going to the direction of like the heretical and, you know, those who just aren't, don't even know the Lord in the first place. So how do we do this, hold this together? And that's my question is like, by what standard? Because exactly. when I see it, when Stop I see being anima- antinomian. Yeah, exactly. No, don't be antinomian. And that's yeah. the, that's the concern for me. Yeah. This is the biggest concern I have when I the see American this. American church is antinomian. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly my point. You said it in one word there. <laughs> That is the major concern that I see. My concern is like, uh-oh, we've got solid dudes now that are actually going, no, you're right, I should care about justice. And I'm going, hey, good job, because that's what I've been saying for years. I think that's important for us as we proclaim the excellencies of Jesus and he's rules over this world. There's nothing in this world that's outside of his authority and control. And yeah, he does care about justice and law and righteousness and his holiness. He does care. So I start listening. I'm going, okay, so what are you going to say back to them then? What reference point are you using now that you accept the fact that, yeah, it is true that the God of all the universe has all authority and he does care about righteousness in the world today. What are you standing on? And that's my concern is because now you see these guys who were like going appealing now to to the intersectionality guys and critical theory guys. And they're just sort of gobbling it up going, no, I do care about justice help me to understand what I ought to do. And I'm going, no, 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 no. Don't go ask them. It's good that we're repentant over, like, do we have a failure as a church? Is there an area I need to do better? We're not asking them. We're hiring them as the professors in our seminary. That's my point. That's that's what I'm so concerned with, is that what I'm saying here is that if Christ is ruler overall, of course we have to acknowledge he's always talked about being concerned about this stuff. God has always said so. But what's the reference point we're going to? Are we going to go to Paul and say, this is how he talks about it and the, and the concern. Are we going to go and look at, like, we've got, has God spoken about this area anywhere before? 
Uh, we're not talking about slapping the law of God down on society. We're just asking, like, has God ever disclosed like himself on this issue? Should we actually go to him as the reference point here as to what is just mm -hmm. and how to handle this? That's the thing to concern. It's a burden for me. I see solid dudes now yeah. actually going, no, we need to care about justice. And then they're, they're opening their ears up to the wrong side and the wrong source. And I'm like, you realize, of course, we get a long history of the kingdom of God in the world where we have predecessors before us who actually address these issues pretty faithfully and they appeal to scripture to do so like shouldn't we be appealing mm -hmm. to that that's my concern that's yeah. my biggest fear right now in terms of what's ahead is solid dudes going opening exactly. their ears to people who are saying i'll tell you what justice is and i look at that and i go that doesn't look anything like yeah. anything in this book nothing There's that's because they have adopted a lens that exists over scripture so that social justice becomes defined by the parameters of the society around us rather than on the basis of God's law. Exactly. So the very idea of social justice, we, 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 for some reason, to our own destruction, end up reinterpreting that in our categories as God's justice being done in society. Mm -hmm. But in critical theory, that's, that's, that's not what social justice yeah. is. Right. It's the destruction of oppression and the righting of all the oppressive wrongs which brings everybody to that magical place where we're all the same, but none of us are all the same, and so it doesn't actually work. Can, can, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't, interrupt, I don't want to lose where you're going, but can you help us with that, even that terminology of like the word justice in Scripture? Like, what, what does that reflect in, in, in Scripture? That I, when we talk about justice, justification, righteousness, like... Well, when we're talking in this context, we're talking about the fact that Scripture tells us that justice is the foundation of God's throne. Yes. So it is, it's a divine attribute in the sense, sense of the absolute consistency of God in dealing with his creation. Yeah. Critical theory has no place for a creator being the transcendent definer of all these things. Right. And so justice has to become something that is culturally derived. Mm -hmm. And hence will be different from culture to mm -hmm. culture. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's how you, mm -hmm. and that's how you get, that's how you, that's how um, you you get people to understand what you're trying to say. For example, the feminists, they had to make it, they had to make femininity a social construct and not something that was natural so that we could say this was from society. So we have to, they, th these groups, they have to make sin and evils and morality something that is produced societally, not something that is naturally occurring so that they can say, well, we got it wrong and we need to change it. Mm. Because if it just exists like that, then there's no need. Like if there just are, mm -hmm. if there just is femininity, mm -hmm. what can we do? It's built into all of us. But if we can say no, society created these gender norms, then we can change them. Yep. Okay. Can you can we expatiate upon that a little bit more in terms of you you brought up justice as the foundation of God's throne? I'm not like, sure how to expatiate about anything. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Ex sorry. Expand on. <laughs> expand on. Um, the issue, you, you, justice is the foundation of God's throne. So what we would say is, no, we don't want out of the discussion of social justice. No. We want in that discussion. Wait. But there's a particular way that we actually, we want to have a reference point and say this is what we mean by that. When you talk about like the society around like just, you know, random sort of going, I think it means this. And, I th and, that, mm -hmm. and in t 25 years, it's going to mean something entirely mm -hmm. different because we have a new oppress oppressive group you know or however it ends up looking we're pointing to the very character of god yep 
Now that, so when we talk about justice according to a truly unified biblical and Christian worldview, we say, no, no, he's the reference point. It's his character that's the standard. And what I want to know as a Christian, if I talk about justice and for other human beings in the world and correction of wrongs to any degree, current, whatever that looks like, I, I want to go to him as the reference point. What is his character? How does he deal? And what has he said about himself and how we're to love one another and care for one another? Um, they don't mean that. No, no, they can't. They don't mean that. It's, so, a, Dar- it's a Darwinian world. So you, there, there is no creator. There could be no standard. Only society can define these things. Yeah. So you, you cannot, because what's, what's absolutely important in defining true justice is to recognize that man is made in the imago dei. Right. Without an imago dei, you have, you have no means of discussing any kind of morality, ethics, law, or justice. And so you have to take that word justice. Once you get rid of man creating the image of God, you're going to have to fill it with something else. Yeah. And critical theory feel, fills it with something that is rabidly unbiblical. And that's the problem. When you then bring that into the church, something's got to give. Something's got to re- be replaced. And what we're seeing is divine truth being replaced with societal, theoretical materials Mm. in our own seminaries, Mm -hmm. in our own seminaries, Mm -hmm. which then becomes the lens through which the preaching and teaching is done, which then ends up in the next generation with a perverted gospel that no one in our generation will even recognize. Yeah, That's what's scary to me, because you you mentioned some of these older guys that are more elder than you. Um, it's hard, hard to believe that I know. it's possible, huh? But these guys are saying, you know, they kind of are like, well, whatever, it's, you know, this isn't going to affect us. I'm saying this has happened so quickly. Oh, yeah. Oh, it is, it's already decade. affecting these yep. guys. You oh, know, yeah. it's, this is, really, this discussion has kind of blown up in the last year, even. Yes. And so, so yeah, no, it is affecting even the older guys. And, and yeah, like you said, they, it's not just the seminaries, it's solid pastors. Mm-hmm. And not just, like, wacky, you know, Arminian, yeah. whatever, like guys out there, it's re- solid reform guys that it's affecting, and it's just been shocking. And when you eye-opening. see major Christian organizations promoting Jamar Tisby's book, *The Color of Compromise*, which in the historical stuff is is an interesting read, but then transitions very quickly into a amazingly uh, critical race theory based um, dialogue or diatribe, I guess would be a better term. When you see people who 10 years ago, we would have sent anybody to listen to those people speaking. And now they're promoting this. Were we just asleep? (laughs) I'm not, I'm not hundred percent certain. Was, was something going on that we just didn't, we just didn't notice it. We, were we being, were we extending too much grace? I, I mean, that sounds really strange to me that you ever could do that, but, but I don't know what happened. All I know is in a matter of years, the number of places that I could suggest that someone go for theological education has shrunk dramatically. Oh yeah. Dramatically. Yes. In ways that I never ever could have seen coming. Yes. And it, it's it's God's gotta be behind something here. There's the, I mean there's blindness. There's ju- there's juridical yes. blindness taking place. Yeah. It's judicial scary. It, the, 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 I think you're right, brother. I think that the the the, the place to start being concerned and getting on your knees and being, being you know, serious about prayer and, and the future is when you start to see the church yeah. now abandoning. Uh, and we've obviously, we're, look, we're, we're always a work in progress, of course, but 
we start seeing the church lose it in major, really, really, really serious areas on a large scale, and it's just expanding. That's where I start getting concerned, because we start seeing that the judgment of God is on culture around us, the abandonment of righteousness, and just just fundamental understanding as image bearers of God just being thrown out the window in terms of gender and marriage and children mm. and sexuality and, and, uh, and, and it just, you name it. And then it starts going, you start going, well, at least, at least the, at least segments of the church are still like, you know, pushing against that. And we have an understanding that you start seeing like the, what you thought was a solid segment of church and the solid Splitting. segments going, going, no, we'll, we'll take some of that. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll go that direction. Mm-hmm. You start going, all right, now the judgment of God isn't just really just out there. It's coming now here, and we're starting to see this, and it's always a big concern when you start to see it happening within the context of what you thought were solid segments of the church community. Right at the time when we need unity more than ever because right. of the fact that the left wants to t- total total control. Yeah. And Christianity doesn't allow that. So, yes, it, it's, it, it can't be fortuitous. It's obviously... Hey, God's still on his throne, but uh, we are in a situation where very clearly we need to discern the times and the seasons. Yeah, and and, and my my reason for saying that is not to freak anybody out and to say the sky is falling. It's to say that we have a duty as Christians to be faithful in the midst of what God puts in front of us. Mm. We have to be. And so uh, wherever we find ourselves in history as the people of God, we have to face what's in front of us with faithfulness. And it could come with great difficulty and trauma and trials and, um, and and even death and and loss uh, but we have to just know what's ahead of us and be willing to face it with the truth mm-hmm. that comes from this revelation this revelation Absolutely. and it can't just be a pithy slogan in christian t-shirt it can't be like you know it can't just be a meme you share that says solo scriptura like that's got to mean something that the word of god is the sole infallible rule of faith and practice uh, for the church and we know what that means to hold the words of god's uh, of God in our hands. And and that has to mean something in terms of our witness and our call to go into the world. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says to us, Matthew 28. And he says, therefore go, because it's all mine. And he says, and go disciple the nations, baptize them, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Like that's the commission. And so when we see the nation around us that we find ourselves in, just going off the cliff like this and you see other professing Christians going with them like that's you know you can't just say well I I got nothing to do with this and I'm just going to sit back here and do nothing no the call was he already has all authority and we don't know exactly what his plans are for our nation but his command to us is you go you go and you preach the gospel you make disciples and that means coming into conflict and getting into fights sometimes Mm -hmm. we got to be ready to fight and um, I think that to me is my biggest concern as a pastor is raising up men and women and children that can face what the enemy has put before us and what he brings against us can face it with consistency uh with of course boldness and love and respect uh but being able to face it that's what my my dedication as a pastor is making sure that we're raising up men and women to be able to face what's ahead of us and uh, also You've got grandkids now. I know. I have a grandson now. And my uh, my, my oldest daughter just got married, and, and maybe, Lord willing, there's more grandbabies ahead of us. So thinking ahead even, and you've got a baby coming into the world now. Like, we, we have got to stop being so short-sighted as Christians and think about the future. And, like, you know, it's, it's, it's Christ. It's his rule, his kingdom, his gospel. But, you know, on a real practical level, like, we're, we're sending our children and grandchildren into this world. 
And it's like, what does love require of me? Love for God, love for his truth means I've got to tell the truth and love for love for my neighbor, especially my little one <laughs> right here means I'm going to try to build the world that actually blesses them. Mm. Um, and I want to I want to have something to do with that. And I can't control God's providence and his sovereign plan for history, but I want to be faithful with, he, with what he's put in front of me, as faithful as I possibly can be. Well, and, and God knows the fruit of your grandson. Yeah. Like, we don't know it. We don't ever get to, we lose that perspective, I think. But yeah. to consider, like, I think that even, t- I try to, um, it, like, obviously we're family integrated, and so sometimes, like, people... They're like, oh my gosh, am I ever going to be able to sit in church again? My kid just <laughs> screams and I have to leave and whatever, you know? And you wonder, like, what's the point? But the point is, is that we don't, like, especially as we, like, bring up little ones, we don't, we may never get to see the fruit of that. Mm-hmm. But if you raise your kids to be God-fearing, mm-hmm. there's fruit there. Absolutely. <laughs> God willing. That's right. That's right. All right. Time's up. Good show. More he's to come. To, he's got to go. Yeah, more to yeah. come. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm flying. I'm flying to London here. Oh, that's so. right. That's right. We're gonna get you out of here. All right, and you are leaving to go. Let's let him announce everyone. Real quickly, happening. I'm gonna be at uh, Grace Life Church uh, on uh, Sunday morning, preaching there in uh, in London, and then we're recording some unbelievable radio broadcasts, two debates, which will be very very interesting the following week. Then I'm gonna be in in uh, the Netherlands. Uh, doing a conference there and then i have a debate i believe it's may 2nd in the east london mosque on does the quran misrepresent the trinity Mm. uh so Mm. i don't get back until may 6th uh and then as you know i've got a bunch of stuff in the weeks after that too the rest this year is just absolutely completely insane that's right (laughs) completely insane yeah we have a lot we have a lot planned i mean i'm not sure what you guys have done you've 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 made me an elder and i'm gonna leave i know i know (laughs) we have a lot planned together too for the rest of this year so lots of and and going into next year we have lots of plans hopefully lots of things that will bless you guys who are who are big supporters uh, by the way, uh, check out Alpha and Omega Ministries on, on YouTube. Uh, make sure you guys go to that channel. A whole long history of debates and dividing lines and just really helpful Catch stuff. That long Yes, very history. long history. Back <laughs> when I was, back when I was, you'll be watching what I was watching. Um, and uh, don't forget to go to apologiastudios.com. We need your support. We need you to join with us prayerfully and financially. If you sign up for All Access, you get access to every TV show, every after show, Apologia Academy, which includes some of Dr. White's stuff mm-hmm. as well, uh, and a number of other great Pastor teachers. James. Pastor James. that's right, yes. <laughs> and uh, just go sign up for All Access. You make it all possible, guys. We have some stuff we're releasing in the next couple of weeks here. I can't wait to show you. It may even be next week. Pray for that. Um, of our stuff up out in conference at the uh, so, at Salt oh, Lake yeah. City. And I got to tell you, the only reason it exists and you're going to see it is because of all of you who are yep. all access with us. So if you're all access, what you're going to see drop next week in terms of the conflict that's out there at the Mormon Temple, it only happened because of, of your giving yep. and your help. So believe me, we need your support. Um, also want to say uh, just very, very quickly, uh, encouraging story. Um, so we're talking about this content, all access. You oh, help yeah, us make it good. all possible. Today we had guys, no, no, last night. Uh, last night, we had guys out at the abortion mill doing ministry, gospel ministry, ministry at the abortion mill, and two uh, older um, ex-Mormons came up to the abortion mill who have come out to Arizona just to meet us, uh, just to say that God brought them to Christ out of Mormonism through the content right here on Apologia Studios that we have on Mormonism. God used it to bring them out of Mormonism to Christ, and they've come out just to meet us, uh, just to say, you know, praise God for the, for the work. All of that happens because of All Access, guys. So thank you so much. Joy the girl. Hey, guys. Luke the bear. Peace out. Pastor James. Yo. All right, guys. Catch you next time right here on Apologia Radio.